up. Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. You're listening to All Ball. All ball stories all the time. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you missed part one of our sit down with John Sunvold, you should go back and listen to it. It's pretty f- uh, fascinating. Um, growing up, why Missouri, how he chose it, playing for uh, playing for Norm. Uh, this is part two, and uh, we're going to get to get to what it was like to play in the NBA and how he lasted in the NBA and calling it quits in the NBA. Before we get to that, I'll give you some quick thoughts on a couple of teams that I've gotten a chance to see in person. Uh, I'm, I'm blown away by Kentucky's transition game on offense. And I, having seen them against uh, Auburn and seeing them against A&M and then seeing them against Kansas, who they blew out, I, I think the one thing that teams have to realize and most have is you, you have to press them to slow them down because, man, you get Wheeler going full head of steam. If not, he throws the ball ahead. They get you backpedaling. They are so skilled, so athletic, so smart and talented. That's a really good team. You have to make them a half-court team if you want to beat them. Bill Self tried some triangle and two. That didn't really work. Uh, the zone was relatively effective. Uh, man-to-man was not really effective, but mostly because they struggled to get back in transition. You know, It's one of those things where I do think that John Calipari may not be the like best X and O coach of all time, but he's definitely a very good coach. There's a lot of things he does really well and he's changed and evolved. And this team is not just good and talented. They're very good and very well coached. As for Kansas, I still think, and of course, when I'm recording this, this is after they whooped Iowa state without Ochai Baji. I still think they're the team to beat in the big 12. And he's amazing at figuring out kind of the math puzzle for his team and how he can get them to win. But I would also point out that, you know, this is a program that's not used to the portal and it feels like they made, they made some mistakes in the portal. They didn't need to make. They took several guards, none of whom are really contributing, not just Remy Martin, but a chef kid from Drake. I don't understand some of those selections. Maybe you're just looking for depth. They don't have depth inside and they do have a depth in the backcourt that he doesn't, seemingly trust so so that element to it is at least interesting if if nothing else and and kind of classic bill self they'll probably win the league they'll probably be overseeded and they won't get to a final four and people will say they choked and the truth is that his coaching and what they're able to do and put guys and his ability to win that league covered up the fact that they're not nearly as talented as as some of these teams are um i was at texas and texas texas tech I, I, I don't hate Texas. Um, I think you have one of the problems when you're running a motion offense and you bring so many new guys in is not a lot of guys play motion offense and they all have, it's like they're all, they're all open box guys. Everyone been to Best Buy and you get some open box. The box has already been open. Now you could say the same thing about Texas Tech that has seven new players. Um, I think their defense is incredible. I think their offense is okay, but I, I don't necessarily believe that Texas has the personnel for how, how he wants to play. For Texas Tech, incredible on defense. I mean, Mark Adams is a not a good, a great defensive coach. They're as good at, at in terms of playing the way they want to play. Hard, pick up full court, get you to the half court, keep you to one side, pressure, force you to the baseline. That's where the help is. Doubling from the baseline on post catches. Pretty outstanding. And then you factor in that that place is a zoo now. I think they can keep it going. 
I think he's an incredible coach and that junior college background only helps him, you know, take guys from all different sorts of pots and melt them in and make, make some kind of stew. Texas eventually will be fine. This year, they're probably an NCAA tournament team. And as he gets to future years, they'll get guys that fit better. But Texas Tech's the interesting one because Adams has used what Beard built and built on it. And it's pretty awesome. All right, let's get to John Sunvold. When we last talked to him, he was done as a college player. How did he last so long as a pro? Here's part two with John Sunfold. You know, what's what, well, my, you know, my brother coaches and he always says, this, he always says a player led team is a good team. Yeah. You know, when you have when they were there and that's kind of the magic to it a little bit, you know, we had, you could talk back to coach. You could, you could, you could snap back at, now, you know, at your own peril and you better, you better be right. You know, um, and you better have some another player to kind of have your back. You you can talk back to coach, but I, you know we we had, and this is where I think I think the sport is missing. And I'm not one of these. It was always better in the olden days, right? But the sport is missing the continuity of playing two and three and four and five years together. Yeah. One, the bonds the bonds you build are unbelievable. But but just in terms of the sport, we're playing the Sweet Sixteen. Syracuse in front of 45,000 people against Seton Hall. And they played that year. Um, Tommy Amaker is the coach. They would switch between a man to man and they would play. It wasn't a triangle two. They guard three and not guard two. Kind of like Tim Floyd sometimes would do a little bit. And, um, but, but they were kind of getting screwed up by what we were doing. And so, because we had a guy named Brian Montanani, who's now a high school coach in, in Tulsa, a very good player, 6'10 shooter. Uh, it kind of screwed him up because now we had four shooters in me, you know? Um, and so uh, we call at a timeout. I said, Hey, let's run cyclone. And cyclones are just a play where we set a ball screen on one side, they swing it to me and they set a double back screen for the ball screener. We call it cyclone. Cause we took it from Tim Floyd, my sophomore year and put it in. And we ran it to death. My sophomore year, we ran it to death. My junior year, we had never practiced it. We had never once gone dry five on zero on it. My senior season, it was not part of what we did. Right. But I just said, "Hey, let's like let's run Cyclone." Everybody remember it? Like, yeah. But like, who who do you want? Like, go to Joe because they'll hard hedge on that and then swing it to me, and we'll get. And we got like three layups on it. We also called I called an inbounds play that we hadn't run in two years, and we got a couple of layups and open shots on it. And it was like one. It's the it's the cohesiveness of guys also to the level of basketball IQ that was needed and demanded. And not everybody came in as a smart basketball player, right? Yeah, I agree with you. Right. right, But but it's more like, Hey, if you're going to play, you have to be able to defend and rebound, but you better know what the frick you're doing. Right. You got to be in the right place at the right time. You don't have to make the shot, but you better know where you're supposed to be. And I think that's real. Those are things that are really hard now as the world has said like, Hey, these kids have to be able to move. And like, yeah, but there's part, part of the magic to it that I think sets you up for success. But I also think makes the process more enjoyable is that, Hey, there was a time where, you know, like Brian Montanati, again, he didn't play 13 games. Didn't, it didn't take off the sweats, 13 games. 
our sophomore year. We came in together. He transferred from Fullerton Junior College. Didn't play. Now, he made the big free throws, beat Oklahoma. They carried him off the court. But there were 13 times which he did not play in the game. By my senior year, he was amazing. Right. And that's like what it's supposed to be about. And I just don't know if we I don't think we can ever get it back. And I don't know why we took that out of the sport. I don't think you can. It it goes back to, okay, you played for a tough coach. Um, When you play at a place three or four years, you take on the personality of that guy. Right. So when Norm's good teams at Missouri were usually junior, senior laden teams, no different than my squads. When we were juniors and seniors, we walked into Allen Fieldhouse like the old man, our coach, right? Bring it on. F all you people. It doesn't matter. And you get that only because you're you're built for that. You weren't built for that when you're young, right? Uh, an example, when I was a freshman, I remember, you know, just scrimmaging. Here I am, just scrimmaging freshman. On the break, All-American Larry Drew throws me the ball. I shoot it. Norm blows the whistle, stops it. Why the hell would you shoot that shot? Well, I don't have an answer for it. I have no answer for why I would shoot it. Now, fast forward to my senior year, I was on the World Cup team, come back from South America where we played, uh, come back, we're practicing, back and forth, back and forth. I pull up and just fire one in. He blows a whistle, stops the practice. Why do you shoot it? I said, because I'll make that some bitch. <laughs> he says, exactly. Right. It, 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 but do we have kids like that today? Be, if you bounce, if you played for three different coaches and bounced around a lot of places, you're not going to get it. You're not going to have it. And the feeling you'd have is, gosh, this is too hard. I may do something somewhere else. And that's the challenge. I mean, that's the biggest challenge because, you know, you go, you know, you, you still you're around the college game and you, you go do games and see it. I go to practices. Coaches aren't the same as they used to be. I don't mean all of them, but 90% of the guys aren't like they used, like, like they'd like to coach. There's no doubt. I mean, they can't be, they can't be as tough because they worry about the reaction that kid's going to have. Um, my guy never, he never worried about the reaction. This is even- he, he, but he used to, he used to, he famously would talk to other, other players. Right. He would he 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 would say things to other guys on other teams. Yeah. And what's weird is we've gotten this like now, coaches like, don't talk to my players. Right? Don't 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 you talk to my players like right. what right. are we doing? Right. Right. You know, you'll, what you'll, was that what was that experience like when he would be talking to the other team's best players and say something to him? And there was a like a back and forth there a little bit. Well, Norm was a psychology guy. I mean, he was a psychology guy. It was all it, it basically. Well, you go back to golf. Norm would put it like, okay, if this 12 handy, 13 handicapper can't break 80, right? He's in his, he can't break 80. So we're going to take that player over there and he averages 10 a game. See if he can get 25. I don't care if he makes two on you. Don't guard him. Now guard him within reason, but he's going to, we're going to see if he cycle. His was all psychological with the officials, with opponents uh, and with his own team. I, how about this? I'm, I'm now in the starting lineup as a freshman, 10th in the country. We're ranked. Colorado comes into the Hearn Center. No shot clock, no three-point line. Remember, they're going to they're gonna stall the game on us. I mean, they, they get the tip. Or we might have scored right away. They, they're going to just hold the ball. Well, they screw it up. We go down and score. They screw it up. 
we go down and score. I'm guarding a guy by the name of Jojo Hunter, kid from maybe Baltimore, All-American or All-Big 8 player at uh, Colorado. That's my assignment. He's their best player. Scored half is 26 or 28 to four. They got four points. <laughs> you, go the locker room, you come in the locker room and you make the turn, and I'm going to take a bite out of an orange, right? I got an orange slice. Yeah. Larry drew the All-Americans next to me. Norm comes in and goes ballistic. He goes, I've never had a guy, ever had a guy in history, played for me or the university, that his guy scored all the points. <laughs> and I look up and he goes, fucking JoJo Hunter's got fucking every point that they, I mean, the dude's two for eight, right? And now the other guys, because I'm this freshman, I kind of put the orange down. Larry Drew says, hey, coach, Sonny, Sonny will do better next half. I mean, but first of all, I mean, it's 28 to four, but he just, you know, it was all, it was psychological stuff. And so yeah, yeah. Other points. And I think older coaches had that. I mean, it, it, today's world is so different. It's just so different. Again, not that it was better or worse. I'd love to play in today's world the way it's played up and down pace. I could run all day, shoot shots for three or two, or I'd have loved to play in this system, but I don't know if you learn as much life skills as the old man taught me, right? It, it, his deal was life's not easy. It's not going to be easy. So why should I, why should there be any advantage for you guys being here? You're just a student. Now you get to play basketball, but you're no different than, you know, and it's true, right? You, you go. Yeah, no, co- coach that, coach that when he would, you think this is hard. Life is hard. You can make it through this practice. You will make it in life. That was, that was his thing. But what I worry more about today's student athletes is when you're done, all the stuff that's done for them today. And again, I'm not against it, but all the stuff that's done when they're done, that all ends. Like it yes. all, it yes. all, and they're yes. looking for, okay, I didn't know how to, no, it, yes. it's nuts. And I, I think it's a, they're going the wrong direction. If they want to help kids, they're wrong. This direction. is, this is, this is a great part of the discussion. Okay. So I, I, I obviously you were a great player, came an NBA player. And now you got into the, the, the financial world and been successful in it. Um, but the, I, my biggest issue with the, the transfer and, and look, I transferred. Okay. I got in trouble, but I was con- contemplating transferring. I was likely to go back for at least one more year. And who knows if I would have transferred anyway, but I, I, I transferred. So I'm, and uh, so I, I understand. I didn't go to the high school I was supposed to go to because it was better coached. I went to public school 10 minutes away. But I stayed back a year. Like, again, like all these things that people are doing now, like I, I, I did. So I'm not telling you that it's always wrong. But the multiple transfers, here's the thing. When you get done playing, in addition to all these things that are done for you and handed to you, now you have to go out and do it on your own. You're like, holy crap, right? But it's the, who do you call, right? Like if your financial business goes tomorrow, right? Like you invest in it and everybody pulls their money. Right. Hey, you're going to call the Mizzou guys yeah. and you say, Hey man, I, I, I need a job. I need to get on my feet. If, yeah, right. if, if my job goes away, I know exactly, I know 10 donors who I'm going to call, like, tell me what I can do to give me some. And I wouldn't say I need a job. I would just say like, right. I don't know if you've been in this situation, but give me some guidance on if you were me, what you would do and the calls you would make and, and what, what you would do. Right. You have a, and you have a basketball family. Right, 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 right. So, and if you want to go into coaching, you go into coaching with that basketball tree. You got guys playing at four schools, four. Yeah. 
what alumni game invites a guy who's been been there for a week, right? Who do you like? You're not synonymous with. You're synonymous with Missouri. I'm synonymous with Oklahoma State. Guys, you got to play somewhere two or three years in order to have kind of that sweat equity. And we've we've completely eliminated. You know, you have people who are in our position or even bigger stages than what what we do now. Platforms who who do not ever translate the value in it the right. value in being a part of something for longer and sticking out the tough times even if it's not for the betterment of your career your immediate career right and i i don't know why that's not a spoken value i, I don't really understand that yeah and the other part is i don't know if there can be the the truth the truth pill is a difficult one right the truth of your game as a player that that's the hard part for kids and coaches have a hard time with it because they don't want a kid to transfer. They don't want a kid to leave. But if they're really honest, and we're all, most of these kids aren't playing next level, whatever level. They're not playing. Now, some can be a paid pro somewhere. That's great. But in order to understand that truth, that's a tough one because no one really gives them the truth. There's somebody on the outside saying, you're going to, if you played somewhere else, you'll, you know, you can play at this league. You can play. Look at that guy over there. He made it. Uh, you have to have some guidance. I had a, obviously my, you know, my, my dad would never have said I'd have been a pro player. Like that wasn't, there was no goal of me being an NBA player. There was no goal for me to be a division one player. Now, when I got there, my goal was I hate losing. Uh, I don't like not being good. So, you know, now by the time I'm a senior, I'm on the Playboy All-American team. I make the World Cup team. And I'm looking around going, okay, they're talking about all these other dudes making the pros, right? And again, I'm good friends with John Paxson, but John was at Notre Dame. And he's on that list. And I know I can play with Pax. And so was it my thought of I would be in the NBA? No, 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 no. I I wanted to win the fourth Big 8 championship so badly. I didn't get to the final four. We didn't, we made the first part, didn't make a second. And end the career that no one had had around here, right? No one had won four championships in a row here. Or I didn't even know in the big eight, right? Not back then, not till Kansas and the big 12 won a bunch. At the end of it all, when that was done, then the focus became, oh, I know I'll get a tryout. I know I'll get drafted. I don't know where, could be second round. They say maybe second, maybe first, maybe. I know I'll get a shot. Now, how do you, how do you, how do you make it there? Well, I'll play to my strengths, stay away from my weakness. No different than I played in college. There were things, there were things I did in high school that I didn't do in college because I used to, I was fast. So I used to just take it to the rim a lot, right? In high school. My strength was not finishing at the rim in college. We didn't run stuff that I finished at the rim. So if you said true point guard, no, probably not in an NBA sense because of I didn't do those things. Now, could I handle it and not make mistakes? Yes. Was I a true shooting guard? Not because of size, but I could outshoot anybody. In my mind, I could outshoot anybody. You were Paxton. Paxton and Paxton played in the system that you played in in college. You were were Paxton, right? So so you combine the both and say, okay, let me go to show up to training camp and I'll give it a go. You know, I always used to think if you gave me two players and so, and, and I don't care, Michael Jordan, two players, 
we'll beat three on three. Like I'll make, we'll win. I'll win three on three, five on five. I won't win one-on-one. I knew right. that. And I knew that training camp. Like when we're doing one-on-one drills on the wing. All right. So I got beat again. I'm going to foul. I'm going to grab. I'm going to hold. The guy's going to go the hole. I'm going to knock it away, knock his hand off. Cause usually, you know, it's just a drill next one up. Right. But if you gave us two and three on three, four on four, five on five, I thought, okay, Sunbolt's team is going to win. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Now, I was the 16th pick in the draft, which surprised me. And where, where were you during the, where were you the night of the draft? I was at my house. Uh, I had been kind of invited. They were doing the New York thing, but it was smaller. And I, no one knew where I was going. Uh, back then, you didn't really have workouts for your team. My agent who I hired was from Seattle. He never heard from the Sonics. He'd heard from the Spurs. The night before the draft, I was playing summer league in Kansas City. Indiana Pacers called my house. They had the second pick in the draft. They're going to take Stepanovich. And the last pick of the first round, they're going to take me. Now, again, my dad didn't believe that because you didn't know what to believe. So that day, the, 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 the draft was in the afternoon. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my house. My brother, Scott, who is four years older than me, he's an engineer, retired engineer now, uh, a genius mind, built some nuclear devices on bombs and stuff. Whatever. So anyway, he, he's, he's at my house with my parents and his wife. Literally, true story, Doug, uh, 16th pick is now Seattle. Now, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, OK, is it Randy Whitman or Paxson or, you know, guys? <laughs> So they they take the camera and they show it over the shoulder and the guy writes my name on it. And they take that card and the guy walks up and Seattle and 16th pick takes John Sunhold. And my brother, Scott, again, I'm little brother. I'm the little brother. He's looking at me like they took you like, why, why would they take you? Now, the other cool thing about it is in 19, my senior in high school, Sonics won the NBA championship. Jack Sigma, Freddie Brown, Gus Williams. I'm now four years later going to go play with those guys. Like that's, that's incredible. But if you don't think you belong, <clears throat> you won't belong. I, I didn't, I didn't, I had a great camp. My first 20 games were off the chart. Then what happened is Fred Brown needed more minutes off the bench. He was downtown Freddie Brown, age 31. David Thompson, one of the greatest ever came off an injured list. So then your minutes kind of go down, but, uh, but here's the pecking order of how kids are. My second trip, maybe to to Kansas City, maybe my first trip. I had an unbelievable second game. Lenny Wilkins was my coach. First game, I might have played five minutes. The first game we had in Seattle. Second game, we go to Kansas City where the Kings were. Lenny puts me in second quarter with Kemper, old Kemper Arena. I love Kemper. I hit yeah. three jumpers. I got six points at half. It's Blue Springs. It's John Sunbold Day. Half my hometown's there. You know, and I'm I'm feeling good at half because I've scored, right? I, I've I've got three buckets, but good. At least I didn't lay an egg. We come out. I have 12 in the fourth quarter. We win. Like I, again, you're in front of your own people. You do your thing. But what's funny about that is the night before we had practice at a place called Avila College in Kansas City. Back in the day, you'd take anywhere you could practice, right? You'd fly into a town. My brother Scott, the engineer. Uh, the most cautious of all of us, comes to watch practice. Now, in his mind, there's Jack Sigma. Wow. There, there's David Thompson. There's And there's little brother John. But that's – so my brother Bob from Columbia comes over for dinner, my family's house, and he says to my brother Bob, 
He goes, you know, John's pretty good. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm, little, I'm little brother. I, I'm just little. And Bob goes, no shit. Like you haven't been watching for four years. I mean, but again, that's that's, you know, in a Midwest town in a Midwest. Yeah. Town. And, you know, I mean, it was it was comical, but but it was true. I'm still little brother, John. So, yeah, I mean, it was. Un- but the thing about what helped me was when my minutes went down that rookie year, I know one, one game, I maybe I didn't get in. I was pissed. Like, I'm pissed. And I'm going to get dressed fast. Lenny's already given a speech. And, and Freddie Brown, age 31, comes over and said, here's the deal. It's not how many minutes you play. It's how many years you play. So here's what you need to do. Go get on the treadmill. Uh, lift some weights before you get out of here. I'll meet you tomorrow early. Don't take a day off. Because when Lenny calls your number, you got to be ready. Fast forward, I play nine years. My eighth and ninth year, I'm telling guys in Miami, Bimbo Coles, Keith Askins, I'm going in there going, hey, guys, not how many years, man? Every not how many minutes? It's years. Lift some weights. I'll lift with you. I'll come tomorrow early. We'll get some shots in. And both those guys had a longer career. And I mean, because if you don't, that 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 ego gets in your way. And if, you know, if Lenny's calling my number one night and all of a sudden, shit, I haven't been shooting and I haven't not in shape. Because, you know, the game, NBA game, so many games, the practices aren't much. But if you're not playing, you better stay sharp. You better stay sharp. And that's the challenge. What was David Thompson like? Uh, one of the nicest guys that I've ever met. David had a substance issue uh, and he was coming out of rehab. Did you know? Yeah, we 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 knew. Yes. Yeah, we knew because it was public. Uh, and so when he I didn't I didn't meet him like till. Let's say let's say let's say camp started October 1st and I probably went out to Seattle September 1st. Right. To start working out with the guys. I think David joined us mid November, 1st of December, first time I met him. And what I mean, David, David Thompson was David Thompson, like unbelievable. Jordan before Jordan. Yeah. And what was really cool about it was you'd play and I'd let's say I guarded him and he would come off a pick. We used to laugh about this. Gus Williams always laughed. David would catch it and wait till you got on him and then jump up and shoot. Like I could shoot if I'm open, but I'd rather just you come out and then I'll shoot it over. Like, and I, and I'd look at him like, you always got to wait for me. He goes, well, I know you'll get there. And I, I just, yeah. But anyway, so in a nightmare of all nightmares in, in, in our life, none of us knew what substance abuse was. Right. That's what, that's why I asked. Yeah. So it, we didn't understand that you couldn't have a beer, Right. Like nothing. And we had a, uh, we were on the East Coast. We were in Seattle, uh, Philadelphia. We played a game. We took a bus from there to Jersey. And on that bus, I mean, again, it's grown men, so you're drinking beer, whatever. But none of us knew that David shouldn't. And that night, the youngest of the young, they're all older guys. So we get there, we had a day off the next day. And I'm a kid from the Midwest. And they said, anybody want to go do something? We're, we're in Jersey, New York. We probably got there to mid 11 o'clock midnight. I said, let's go to Studio 54. Like, that's right. So probably six of us pile in different two different cabs. We go to Studio 64. And in, 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 a, in a nightmarish moment at about 2.30, I remember a big bouncer grabbing me. You're with Seattle, right? Yeah. And he's pulling me out into this cold outside with the other guys. David had gotten in some altercation and some guy pushed him down the stairs. So and that was that night. 
Yeah. And his knee blew up and swelled up in his, his jeans. I mean, we could see it. And it was, yeah, it was a, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. But yeah, I was, I'm, and so that ended his career. And it was, it was tough because, at, I mean, we, none of us knew the fact that A, David couldn't drink a beer and we shouldn't be drinking around it. Right. We didn't, none of us understood any of that stuff. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a bad night. It was a bad night. What was Tom Chambers like? Tom was, uh, uh, I tell you what, he, he was a high flyer. I mean, I'm just telling you. He's a freak. Like, like he's one of those, um, like, again, if you played today, right? Yeah. Oh. Like, he would absolutely translate today. He was so athletic. Could, he could shoot. He was, he was the opposite of usually the plotting power forward, right? Six foot ten, high flyer who could shoot. Tom played at a high, intense level. Like, not always – High IQ at times level, but high intense level. And I'll just say this. If he's running the floor and he doesn't get it, oh, he's on your ass. Like, he's on your ass. But if he gets it in the right spot, as Lenny always told me, Lenny Wilkins, if Tom gets in the right spot, he's finishing this play, right? He's And, and that's what he, he – he just had an intensity to him that was just crazy. Like, just – and he'd go, he'd get numbers. I mean, he'd just get numbers every night, every game. Now, he didn't practice all that hard all the time. But here's the thing about the NBA people don't get because they always say, well, practice can't be hard. All you got to do is play five on five and then practice is hard, right? Because of the competitive level, you take the second five and they start kicking the ass of the first guys because that's what you want to do. I want more minutes. I'm going to try to score on him. And then all of a sudden, you got to practice. Now you got to worry about fighting, right? You're a team. But that's all an NBA. Coach. I've never been on a team that didn't have a fight in practice. Ever. Yeah. And Ever. that's, but normal. that's, that's the level of competition of the personnel. And yeah, the NBA is the highest ever. Yeah. So when someone said, well, practice is easy, I went, yeah, not really. Cause everybody wants minutes. If a guy in front of me turns his ankle, that's nah, too bad for you, but my turn, right? It's, it's my turn. Like, go have a seat. And I hope you sit out for about a week. Right. When uh, when when Sigma would get the ball in the post and reverse pivot and make a shot, did you yeah. guys call it the Sigma then, or was it afterwards that he became the Sigma move? I was always the Sigma. It was always Jack. I mean, but that was that's that was his move. That was his go-to. Oh, the reverse, yeah. reverse pivot in the post. No one did that. I no. even the ball, ball way behind the head, up high. Guys couldn't. No, it was uh, my rookie year. We go to Boston. We were only going to the Celtics once. One time you go west, east once, they come every place once. And I don't know. I think they only lost one game in this two-year span. We beat them. And I must have played well because I was in the four, I was in I was in the game the fourth quarter of the whole quarter, guarding Dennis Johnson. And Sigma had about 38 and Bird had about 45. It was back and forth, but we beat them. And something unheard of because, again, nobody went to Boston and won a game. But, uh, yeah, Jack was, I mean, obviously he's a Hall of Famer, special player. Um and I don't, I mean, hell, he shot 85% from the free throw line. Like, he could just flat out shoot it. And again, one of those guys that, I'm not saying overachieved, but NAIA school showed up, you know, and, and, and worked at his craft. I mean, he was one of those guys that worked at his craft. And again, I, if I wouldn't have played for Seattle, I'm not sure I'd have played nine years. I played with older guys because they taught me to be a pro. Even though today's world, a young guy goes to a young team, if you don't learn it, yeah, you can be done in a year. And I don't, I, I don't know if I would have survived if I wouldn't have played with a bunch of older guys. 
that, that again, after practice, Doug, I'm 22 years old going, okay, what do we do now? Well, no, no, they all got wives and kids. And I'm thinking, well, shoot, I guess I'll go hang out at the mall or I'll go. I mean, it was weird. It was weird. But if I wouldn't have played Freddie Brown and Gus and those guys, nah, I don't know if I'd have played nine. I really don't. Um, you went, you were on the first heat team, right? Yeah. 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 Now, was that the expansion draft or was. So I was picked up. You get, you have 12 guys. You could keep eight. Now we lost. Okay. I'm with the Spurs. We drafted David Robinson, but he couldn't play. He went to the Naval. He did his yeah. So we don't really have a center because we have David. Did you guys have Tark? Was Tark the coach that year? No, I had, uh, that was Bobby Weiss. First, I was traded, Cotton Fitzsimmons traded for me. I was two years in Seattle, went to my third camp. Bernie Bickerstaff came in. Lenny Wilkins went up to be GM. I knew in training camp, I'm either done in the league or I'm, I'll, I'll be somewhere else. Because Bernie had his way of doing things. Uh, more defensive oriented wasn't Mike. I mean, I guarded as well as I could, but yeah, didn't matter. <laughs> so Cotton Fitzsimmons traded for me. <clears throat> then he was fired. And we had Bobby Weiss, who really for me was my best coach. He didn't want a point guard to run pick and roll. He wanted passing game. Perfect. I come up, I enter. You go through. You move it. So that that year, uh, the expansion came in. I started quite a bit of it. Uh, I had a stress fracture in my leg, my tibia bone, just like uh, shin splints. And I played on it because back then, if I didn't, I, you thought you'd get cut and you weren't getting paid. So I played on it. I think the Spurs thought that actually, Bobby, we made the playoffs. We get beat by the Lakers. It was the Laker Lakers, right? The, the great Lakers. And I started, we get beaten three games, best of five. It was interesting because they could protect eight guys. Well, obviously, everybody thought I was one of the eight. And I told my wife, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they'll protect me. She said, why wouldn't they? I said, well, I got this crack in my bone. It's got to heal. I don't know. So anyway, the, the list comes out and they don't protect me. And that night, my agent calls. Uh, Charlotte wants to see me. Miami wants to see me. But they want to see an x-ray. Miami flies me down to see their doctor. <clears throat> and they all said, stay off your leg all summer. It'll heal which is a killer for a guy that all I do is work at and run. And I got to have my legs to shoot or to play. So anyway, the heat picked me up. We go down there. I wasn't in great shape. Uh, they, they, they picked me up to kind of be a lead guard, but I wasn't in shape. I wasn't, it wasn't good. So training camp was awkward. Then I decided, I told my wife, we rented a furnished apartment downtown condominium. I said, we won't be here long. I'll be cut something. So I took the time, like the first few weeks of the season when we got started, to just get in shape. Rode a bike to practice, ran, stayed after, ran, rode a bike back home, got my legs to where it was good. They were good. And we were bad as a team because you just took, they took the youngest guys they could. We had old guys, Rory Sparrow, Pat Cummings, Scott Hastings. Now we could play, but they were going to play the young guys. So in my world, what happened was we were so bad offensively, so bad offensively, that at one point they came and said, all right, Sumbold, when you get in, you got to shoot. And I'm like, what do you mean? No, no, you're coming out. If you don't shoot, you can shoot a running hook. You can shoot a running shot. We're setting picks for you. So I averaged double figures. I set an NBA record 52.2% from the three-point line. And literally, if I didn't shoot it, shit, they'd take me out because we were bad. But we started winning some games, having fun. I mean, it was – we knew – the older guys knew that 
our job basically was to help the young guys, right? This was the last, that was my sixth year, the last of my contract. I had a three-year deal to start with. The next one was a three-year, no guarantee. And I thought to my wife, this is it. Like, we'll just play this out. It's been fun. I'm on a serious roll through December. Going to be in the all-star shootout, scoring, shooting. My agent calls, said, hey, I'm heading to my, he's in Seattle still. I'm heading to Miami. They want to sign a new deal. I said, new deal. I said, and this was, I thought the coach, the coach kind of wanted to trade me, to be honest. Is that Ron Rothstein? Yeah. And Ron and I got along, but he knew they had young guys and he was a defensive minded guy. And again, <laughs> you know, I'd come in, I'd come in after the game, we'd lose like 88 to 80. And I'd be like, dude, we got to, it's the NBA. We need to score over 100. So we didn't maybe get along with some of that. It wasn't bad. So he said he was going to play me to trade me, which makes you ornery. And I said, good, right? Good. So play me. So now you go on a roll. Now my agent's in town. I go out of town, come back. We go have dinner in Coconut Grove. I'll never forget sitting outside this little Mex or uh, Italian place. Here's a three-year guaranteed deal. Uh, my wife's looking like, what do you mean guaranteed? He's got bad legs. He's got bad shoulders. He goes, no, no, guaranteed. And they're going to pay you more to sign this than you're making now because they're under the salary cap. He said, but if you keep playing like this, You'll be a free agent and the money's going to jump next year. I said, Hey, he, he doesn't, he may not even play me the rest of the way. Like I have no idea what's going to go on. Anyway, we signed the deal because we like Miami. I had a great relationship with Billy Cunningham, the hall of famer. Billy was part of the ownership group and was in charge of a little bit of basketball personnel. So Billy came to me and said, here's the deal. There might be some teams that need your services when we get close to trade deadline. He goes, uh, every time they call for you, I'm, you and I will meet and we'll see if it's going to I said, hell, that's fair. I mean, I loved Miami. Miami was fun, right? Had no kids. Uh, off days, I, I was friends of every golf pro in the area. Uh, I think the first team that wanted me was the New Jersey Nets. So, so Billy's at practice and he goes, Sonny, come here. He goes, okay, uh, Jet, the Nets are going to give up a second round pick for you. He goes, I don't need any more draft picks. They've loaded us up forever. So he looked at me, he goes, do you really want to go to New Jersey? They're going to be the eighth seed. And they'll play the Celtics. I said, well, I don't really want to go to, I thought, so let's not go to Jersey. And then there was one more, might've been the Bucks or somebody, and they would have been a five seed, but they weren't going to win the title. And again, when you're in Miami and you're thinking of going to Milwaukee or New Jersey, I told Billy, because Billy said, John, you're good for us. You do what you do, whether whether you play 30 minutes a night or no minutes a night. You go speak publicly for us. You, you help out the young guys. So, And really, my, my, my last two years were just not any fun because I got hurt. Um, my eighth year, I, I, I don't know how you get pneumonia, but I got pneumonia. Uh, I was in Jersey, not feeling well. It was a game before the All-Star break. I'm playing a game against the Nets and I am exhausted and can't. I mean, it's just awful. So sleep that night. Really don't sleep. Everybody goes their own ways because it's all-star break. I get on a plane, get a blanket, go back to Miami, go to bed. My wife, I mean, I can't breathe, can't. She gets me to the hospital the next day and I've got pneumonia. I don't even know what the hell it was. But your lungs are full of fluid. I didn't play the rest of the year. They wouldn't let me in the gym. So that was that year. So what I did to get my lungs better, I trained. I got a buddy who's got a house in Vail, Colorado. Went to Vail for two months and just ran in the hills. So now I got my lungs back. Go back for my ninth year. 
having issues with my neck. Played some games. I think it was the Celtics, maybe a game, I don't know, 10, 11. I'm going to come off or down three, and Mikhail hits me in my shoulders. My neck goes back. I'm numb. Like, I'm numb. They could have thrown the ball. Shit, it hit me. I'm numb. Tell the trainer. The trainer goes, yeah, I've been watching you last two weeks. You got heat on you, you know. I go take x-rays. I got two discs that are jacked up, so I had neck surgery. So I sat that whole year in a neck brace for – nowadays, you don't have to wear a neck brace. Back then, you wore it for about eight weeks. 24 hours a day. I the, the heat, that was the first year the heat made the playoffs and I got to dress for the playoffs. And I think I got in one minute, but I was not. My neck wasn't, you lose a little bit. And in the 10th year, I was going back for 10. And I kind of decided with my uh, doctor that maybe nine is good. Like it wasn't, if you lose a little bit, that's a lot at that level. And I couldn't quite see what I wanted to see. And every time I got hit, it was kind of like getting my bell rung because what goes from here to your body all goes through this channel. And it was just, so about three weeks before I told my wife, I said, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. And now whether in my mind, I thought I'm going to beat them from cutting me or, you know, I don't know what I was thinking, but I thought at the time, you know what, I, 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 every year in camp was harder because there were more six, four dudes and six, five dudes that were at camp and, you know, it's just another battle, but uh, yeah. So the last two years weren't as fun, but you know, your body is your body. You, you try to survive, but it's tough. When, when you officially like walked away, right. Yeah. yeah. What was it feeling like? Well, it was weird. Uh, the heat, the heat offered me, do you want to be in coaching or in the front office? Um, my wife was pregnant. It was in the fall of 92 with our first child. We lived in Coral Gables, close to the University of Miami. Liked it, but again, we, we were both Midwest people. My wife's from the southeast corner of Missouri, called the Boot Hill, not far from Memphis. I said, okay, boy or girl, if we have, can you let them ride their bike down to that park just a block away from where we live? She goes, eh, not, not here. Like, it's different. I said, okay, then we'd have to move up somewhere in a gated community and all that. And I had already had my license in the investment business, kind of thought, I mean, it was nothing I knew much about, except I thought it was pretty cool. Wall Street, I mean, I didn't, my dad didn't have any money. We didn't have any money, but I kind of always thought, shit, I don't even know what it is. So I told my wife I was licensed. I said, let's go back to Missouri. We have a condo and then we'll figure out what we'll do. And like any athlete, I came back home. I worked at an investment firm. I'm doing radio for Missouri, but on those quiet nights when my wife's sleeping, there were times I would go to the old field house on the campus of Missouri, you know, that's open for students. And I was shooting and I was running thinking I could still do, I could still go do this, right? This is it's what I do. And you don't, you, you don't get it out of your head until at some point you just say, what are you doing? Right. You can't, this isn't what you're going to do, but it doesn't, it doesn't leave you because when you when you're when you're gone from that, you're gone from that locker room. You're gone from all those things that you liked, besides the competition, right. the, the the guys in that room, right? The guys that go to battle, and in the NBA, it's not as tight as college, but it is because you 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 understand each other. That tomorrow that guy's traded, right? I mean, it's the it's the hardest business, and so you miss that stuff. And when you miss that stuff, you think. Should I go back and try it again? Could I still go do what I did? And I could have. My legs were still fine. Uh, but at some point, I just was like, okay, now I'm done. So then it was on to the next thing. What do I do? And it was, you know, doing the radio for Missouri was fine. 
uh, but I didn't really like doing one team. I, I didn't like doing the same team every night. Like, I'm not a fanatic, so I don't blame the referees for losing a game if it's my team, right? If Missouri's my team. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, you lost, you lost. Let's go home. All right. And, and so I was uh, curious. It wasn't me that got me into TV. Uh, Joe Stiglione got me into TV. Uh, Joe was assistant AD at Missouri. Joe came and, yeah, there was probably five TV games that Missouri did on Missouri Package. He said, hey, I want you to do these TV games. And I've already called Raycom and told them you should do some Big 12 or Big 8 games. I said, really? He goes, no, no, really. He said, you go do these Missouri games. I'm going to I'm going to take the tape. I'm sending it to Raycom. I think they'll call you. So that's how I got into that as far as, you know, doing games. Best player you ever saw play an NBA game? You're, you're playing against my size or any size. Just uh, I'm I'll, I, I'm just it's a very open question. You can. Yeah. So here's how I mean, I came into probably the greatest era of basketball. Uh, 1983, it's the it's it's the it's the perfect level of magic and bird. Right. Never seen anything like it. Watched them at their best. Played against them when they had games that I shook my head. I shook my head at because everybody's at this level and the great ones just move it a notch up. But I also played Kareem was in L.A. Dr. J was in Philly and in his career, but still Dr. J. Uh, when he said when he introduced himself to me and he knew my name was John and he introduced himself as Julius. Again, no cell phones, but I was I want to go. Holy shit. Like he knows who I am. So, I mean, so I would say this. If you gave me a player and again, I played against Michael in college. Uh, was on the Play Ball American team with him, got to know him. Michael's Michael. But if you, someone called the other day, said, who would you take, Michael O'Bron? I said, if you gave me a pick, give me a pick, I'm taking Magic Johnson. If, if you give me a pick, and then, you know, then we'll pick the other four, give me Magic, because I'd never seen anything like what he could do at whatever position. People forget he played center when they won the world championship when Kareem got hurt. He had 42 points in the post. You know, I also, you know, I also played when Bird would come to San Antonio and just talk trash that you didn't know he was talking. I knew he was talking because I'm on the court. And then when you come out, we had Don Boozy was our assistant coach. And Don Boozy played 13 years, ABA, NBA. Boozy's from Indiana. He's a buddy of Bird's. I'd come out and I'd sit next to Boozy on the bench and Bird would come down the court and say, hey, boo, off the glass or all net. Now, our coach, Cotton Fitzsimmons, would be up a ways, couldn't hear him, and Boo would put his off the glass. And I, again, I'm 25 years old sitting there. <laughs> Bird would catch it, boom, boom, off the glass, net, wink over at him. No, I mean, I think the guys at that level, but okay, let's go back. I was in Seattle when Bernard King gave this uh, Portland Trailblazers 49 one night and 50 the next night to us. Couldn't, no one could guard him. I, I, I saw Moses Malone in Seattle. Before he hurt his knee, he was undersized post. Who's that? Bernard King. You know what? He could play anywhere. Uh, he didn't shoot it very deep, but he could. He could. He, he the release was so fast; it was a turnaround. So there were so many guys. But okay, I'll go back. Who was the toughest guy I would have to guard outside of being matched up? Like if I was on by, yeah. I got switched on Magic. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas was the best. Uh, Isaiah was the best at, at my size. And Isaiah could do things with the ball that were just magical. 
like he'd come down and he might figure eight the damn ball in front of me. And the only hope I had, Doug, was if he made a move and then he spun back to me, right? Like he made a move, spun back to me, and I'm like, God, I'm really good now. And not really. <laughs> but he, but uh, here's a good story. I went to uh, University of Iowa basketball camp, ninth grade. My high school coach had just moved from Iowa, or the varsity coach was going to be. So he takes me up to Iowa, Lou Olson. And there from Chicago was a baby-faced Isaiah Thomas, right? So in camp, here's Isaiah and Kenny Arnold who played at Iowa, all these Chicago kids. I left that camp and went back home, and I thought there must be a thousand Isaiah Thomas. Like my, my whole world changed by the thought of how much I better practice to be good. Now, there was only one, but I thought there were thousands. I thought, God, I am so far behind. The dudes in my neighborhood aren't like these dudes. And what I started doing when I got my license uh, to drive from like Blue Springs is 30 miles into Kansas City. I would drive to go play in the playgrounds in the summer. My other buddies were playing baseball. I drove in to play in the playgrounds because in my mind, all the way up till ever was there's a thousand Isaiah Thomases out there. They're only one, but he was the best just at, at saying, OK, you got to guard him too hard. Best uh, pro coach you ever played for? Boy, they're also different. Uh, yeah, you know, Lenny, Lenny was Lenny Wilkins was probably really good for me. Uh, I wish he'd have probably been tougher so that I understood it more. Uh, I like playing Cotton Fitzsimmons was terrific for me. Bobby Weiss was the best for me because of the passing game. Yeah, run the passing game. And I played with Artis Gilmore. Mike Mitchell was an all star. Alvin Robertson, the Arkansas player, was an all star. Uh, and we were we were good, but we missed it, it, at one point. We missed a center, but he was over at the Naval Academy. Like, if you had him, anyway. When I left, what's funny is when I left there, Larry Brown took over, and Larry tried to get me back to San Antonio from Miami because they missed that piece. But anyway, uh, you know, I, all the coaches are different. The NBA is different. It's just different. It's uh, you're all in the same group. And for the most part, the players feel it when a coach gets fired because you fired him, right? Coach yeah. gets fired. That's what college kids don't understand. And I've said that to other groups of college kids. And they're like, hey, we got a new coach. I said, yeah, you just lost the last guy's job. So yeah. you guys aren't that good. You know, new guy's coming in. He's going to ship you out of here somehow. But that's I think that's the challenge. And the challenge when you're trying to have a career at it is how do you figure out how to play or how to survive? And most guys in training camp, I thought, Doug, that they cut themselves, tried to do something they weren't. You know, if a kid was in training camp from Villanova and he's known as a big defensive guard, and about the first week of camp, he's showing him he's trying to be Michael Jordan. I mean, I could, I'd sit there and think, okay, he's going to be gone. He's gone. You know, do what you do and do it well. Pros do what they do. Yeah. Amateurs try and prove what they can't do, they can do. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and you got to elevate your, you got to keep working on what you do. Yes. There was, but there was no difference in the way I shot the ball every year. I was better. Like I was better every year. Range was better. Every sport is about accuracy. No matter what the sport's about accuracy. And then it's about how fast can you do that at an accurate level, right? Now, some people aren't as athletic to do it at a higher level. But if I could make a shot, then how fast can I make the shot? How fast are my foot? How, how fast are my feet moving? What's the footwork? And how quick's the release? From my waist to the shot, how fast is that? Can I do it with a hand in my face or hands down? I mean, that's – and I think most pros I played with, not all, but most pros were driven that way. Like, you don't have to make anybody 
do anything. And all you had to do in the summer was try, how, how do I make my game better? And for me, it was probably more defensively. I, I did just get better defensively. That was tough. Uh, all right, last thing. As a guy who was a great shooter, um, how, when you watch Steph Curry, right, because the, the thing that amazes me about Curry, it's not as much the range. The range is incredible. Yeah. But that does feel like a natural evolution. It's a different type of shot. Yes. Um, but what's, he told me something a long time ago, which is interesting. He's like, you know, people want to compare the, my era with other eras. It's like, I've never walked onto a basketball floor that didn't have a three-point line. It's like what people have to understand is like all those other guys. So in addition to the coaches not necessarily embracing the value of three-point shot, like players themselves, like we were all taught a very different game. The spacing is different. The movement's different or whatever. But what the other part, the release time is incredible at that range and that accuracy. And then not just catch and shoot, catch and shoot incredibly quick going right and going left, right? Like everybody, I remember Sedale three, like Sedale three was with it. When magic had to retire, Sedale was like their point guard. And it right. was, if you put it, if you went left, it was in. Yeah. Right. If you went right. Eh, catch shoot in, going left. This guy goes left and right. But, uh, but again, that's as a guy who wasn't a good shooter, as a great shooter, when you watch him, what do you see? What, 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 what goes through your mind? Well, the first thing, I mean, the ability to make shots are, are freakish from the range. Now, again, that's evolution, but it's also, he changed how guys shoot it a little bit. Uh, kind of the twist? It's a, it's a push shot. You, you, you kind of push it, right? Yeah. Not the full jump. A guy who has the old traditional jump shot would be uh, Devin Booker. <laughs> Jumps up, shoots it. That's kind of what our generation was. Jump up, shoot it. Uh, Curry's is more on the way up, quicker, right? It's not at the peak of his jump. And other guys have mimicked and copied that. And again, you have better range because you're, you're not jumping and shooting at the top of the jump. So, but it's freakish how accurate, again, right or left, it doesn't matter, off the dribble, off the pass, how quick the release is. But it goes back to, how accurate. And then again, the evolution is how fast can you be accurate? And it's, and I'll say guys in my era or his dad, Dell, you could catch it and release it so fast. All of us could do that. Like you could just get rid of it. There was no space. I mean, I, I never worried about space a guy dealing. I mean, if a guy was in front of me, I was going to, I had no problem because his hand probably wasn't going to get the ball. The only one I worried about is if you went up to shoot it and the guy went beside you, mm -hmm. I didn't know where he was. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where the hand was. And I would when and because of that, I used to go to the side of shooters. Like if you're trailing, someone's going to shoot a jump shot. I'd go to the side because you didn't know whether if he's in front of me, I don't, I got to shoot it higher, whatever. I can shoot it around the hand. But the guy that went to the side of you, I'm now you're thinking, is he, is he blocking it from I mean, the, the nemesis for a guy like me would be like a Michael Cooper play for the Lakers, right? Six, six long, gave me space, but he knew he could get to that space, right? I knew when, when Coop came in the game and he saw me, I'm like, ah, son of a bitch here. Boy, he's not, <laughs> can we get a switch here? Can we, can we get a little, not, a little switch? He, he's not taking like a playoff, right? He's, he's in to play defense. And you, you'd rather have like George Gervin would come in and George is going to say, like, you'd make a shot on Gervin and he'd giggle and say, man, that's a good shot. And then he'd go down the other end and score and then leave you open and you'd score. 
you know, those games were like 142 to 130. Yeah, coach, coach held a brother-in-law ball. You guys playing brother-in-law ball. Let, and, let each other score. And, it, you know, but if a defender can't, you know, Michael Cooper came in, you went, hey, here we go. Like, I got to figure out how to run him off a screen or do something. Because he's he gave you nothing. Like, gave you nothing. Been awesome with your time. Uh, I want to schedule one. I want to talk more about the financial aspect of it. And then I want to talk about broadcasting and that that entire journey, because I think, you know, I've, I've told you I've, I've always appreciated what you've done, even more so now doing it and taking bits and pieces of how you've done it. But I, I want to kind of tease that. I want to give any of that away. Um, okay. let's, let's do that again soon. But thank okay. you so much for your time. Hey, have a good one. Where are you going this week? Uh, Texas, Texas Tech. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That'll be great. Right. Hey, great. I'm doing radio for it, but it's awesome. Oh, it'll be unbelievable. Um, and then I got Santa Clara. I think it's Santa Clara, San Francisco. And then I'm taking my son and our team to Stillwater this weekend. Okay. We're going to practice Friday night. We're going to go to Bedlam. And then we're playing in a tournament in Norman. Wow. So get them a, get them a kind of look of what it, what it feels like, what it tastes like. It's pretty cool. You know? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have fun. Hey, be safe in your travels. Holler at me anytime. I will do it. Thank you so much. Be good. All right. That's part two with John Sunvold. In the meantime, remember to listen to Doug Gottlieb show three to six Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio or the iHeartRadio app. I'm Doug Gottlieb and this is All Ball.